Well, good morning. How are you guys? Doing great? Cool. So, by the way, as I'm getting older, uh, and I'm going to try not to use these because these are like from the dollar store, and so there's probably like a really bad glare. So I printed it in 16 font. So those of you that understand that, uh, that, that thorn in your flesh, that's how it happens when you get older. So anyways, well, it's good to be here today. It's uh, awesome to see all of your beautiful faces, and thank you guys for braving the snow, right? How many of you got more, like, like if you live like further north, did you get more snow than what you saw here? Yes? Okay. How about if you live south? Anybody live south of here? No? Okay. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Anyways, so this past Thursday was Thanksgiving, right? And a lot of us ate probably more than we should have, uh, probably watched more football than we should have, um, probably had some pretty mundane conversations with family members that we haven't seen since last Thanksgiving. Um, but maybe your Thanksgiving was uh, like you, you were like, you, you just really said, okay, I'm not going to eat that much this year, um, which I did really good. I, I didn't eat a lot of turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and corn and green bean casserole and rolls and gravy. I think that was it. But I ate a lot of pumpkin pie and pecan pie. So it was good. It was very, very good. So I saved, I saved the, the best for last and most consumption. So anyways, but now that, uh, that Thanksgiving is over, uh, me personally, I can focus on, on Christmas now. See, the stores have been focusing on Christmas since like what, September, like Labor Day, something like that. Um, and, and Black Friday used to be on Black Friday, and now Black Friday is like in October uh, and, and pretty much goes through until Black Friday. Uh, and then tomorrow is Cyber Monday, right, which also started probably a few weeks ago as well. Um, but now that, uh, now that, that we're, we're done eating turkey, I'm done eating turkey and pumpkin pie, although there's like one piece of pecan pie waiting for me in the fridge when I get home uh, today. There better be. Um, it probably won't be there. <laughs> it probably won't be there. That's true. There's like one piece left. I'm sure that my wife probably ate it for breakfast. Anyways, pray for me. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, now that it, I can officially think about Christmas, um, I, I think about not just like yesterday we put up our Christmas tree and, and that was fun and that was great and all that stuff, but, but really um, it helps me to start thinking about this, this whole idea, this whole idea of Advent. Uh, this whole idea of, of God sending his son, Jesus, to the world uh, to bring uh, hope, peace, joy, and love. I mean, obviously, I think about those things all the time, but this time of year, um, it's, it's really awesome to be able to focus on not just a, a baby, right? Not just a baby being born in a manger. Uh, yes, that is the significance of his, of his birth, but just what that means. Like, he wasn't just a baby, right? I mean, Having babies is awesome. When you see a little baby, you're like, oh, that's so awesome. And I remember when my kids were born and, and, and seeing my daughter for the first time when I held her, I just cried like a, like a baby, like more than she did. Uh, and then my son, the same thing. You know, you, you see these precious gifts, um, but they're really a gift to the family, right? They're a gift to, to the immediate family and, and the extended family. Um, but Jesus, as, as Pastor Neil mentioned a little while ago, he was a gift to the world. And so this, uh, this Advent season is a time where we can focus on the arrival of Jesus, 
our Lord and Savior. And over the next four weeks, we're going to have the opportunity uh, to uh, hear from different leaders in our church. Um, and uh, we're going to discuss uh, Isaiah 9, uh, 6 through 7. And that's our key verse. So uh, if you guys would, um, we're going to put it up here on the, uh, the screen. And would you guys read this with me? It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So today we're going to focus on, on that first name, Wonderful Counselor. And how Jesus, uh, as our wonderful counselor, brings us hope. Like we just talked about a moment ago with, uh, with Advent. Um, especially when things get tough in our life. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we come before you again. And I thank you for this opportunity to speak your word um, in this church this morning. God, I pray that you would open up our ears and our hearts to hear and receive whatever it is uh, that we need to hear and receive for our lives. God, I pray that you'd help me to speak with clarity. I pray that uh, your words, or that my words would be your words, um, God, and that you would um, just use your word today, God, to uh, change our hearts and to turn us closer to you. Father, I pray for the, uh, the nursery workers and the kids' church workers, God, uh, and the youth that are in the back. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help those leaders to speak truth uh, to our kids. And God, that our kids uh, would glow closer to you today. We love you and we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Pastor Neil mentioned a little while ago, the word Advent means arrival. Um, it's, it's usually like the arrival of, uh, of something significant or someone significant, something of nobility, uh, something that's, you know, we're, we're, we're anticipating the, the arrival of something. Um, and so for us, obviously, it's the arrival of Jesus. Um, and as most of us already know, uh, the story of Jesus' birth, um, I want to take a look at it one more time. Uh, in Luke 2, 1 through 7, we're just going to read part of it. It says, at the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So if we keep reading that story, we then hear about the shepherds and, and the angels and, and all the rejoicing that was happening upon this baby's birth, upon the birth of Jesus. And if you go back and look at different uh, uh, gospels, you, you hear about, you know, John the Baptist and, and leaping in the womb and all those different things. And, and there's a lot of different stuff that goes along with the story um, about praising this newborn baby. This was the advent or the arrival of Jesus, our wonderful counselor. And now we await or we have the advent of his second coming in some day. You see, Jesus arrived in a very, what we would call, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a non-glorious way, right? He wasn't born in a king's castle. He wasn't uh, born in a mansion. He wasn't even born in a hospital, right? 
He was born in a stable, in a manger for animals. He wasn't born in this lavish, this lavish place. So the first question I want to ask you today is this. How did Jesus arrive into your life? And for some of you, it may have been this huge, elaborate, lavish thing that, you know, kind of like Paul where he knocked him off the horse and struck him blind and, and sent him off somewhere else and talked to him and all those things. Or for some of you, it may have just been a very simple thing. For me, I was like seven years old and we were at a Lowell Lundstrom concert. Probably nobody in this room has heard of Lowell Lundstrom. One person has. All right. Amen. Anyways, uh, he was like a, they had like a singing family and, and they, they would go around and do crusades and things like that. And I remember uh, I lived in Hibbing, Minnesota, um, where you have to have Jesus so you won't survive. Uh, anyways, uh, we went to a little Lundstrom concert. He sang some songs and then he did some, some preaching. I don't remember what he said. I was seven, okay? Uh, but I remember that he gave an altar call and he said, if you are here today and you would like to ask Jesus into your heart, um, now is a perfect time to do it. And so I was seven, and I was like, I'll, I'll do that. That sounds great. And so uh, I prayed a simple prayer. I asked for forgiveness. I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and he did. And it wasn't like this big, huge thing. I, I don't remember, like, necessarily crying or, or, you know, anguishing over stuff. I mean, I was seven, so I didn't have a whole lot of bad sin in my life. I mean, I had lots of spankings already by then, but... <laughs> You know, but those were deserved um, and, and were taken care of uh, in due, due fashion, right? Um, but I do remember that I just prayed this simple prayer. And I remember that, that even though it wasn't this big, huge thing, it was the best decision I ever made. It was the best decision I ever made. I mean, I've made a lot of good decisions in my life. I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life, probably more so than, than, than the good ones. But that was a decision that changed my life forever. Now, yeah, sure, just like a lot of you probably in this room, um, there were times in my life where I definitely did not live like Jesus was living in my heart, right? I was like, hey, why don't you move out for a while? I got things to do. Got my own stuff I got to deal with, right? Um, and, and yet, that decision to ask Jesus into my heart um, was the, uh, the best decision I ever made. Um, you know, you, you grow older and the world digs its claws in deeper and we make mistakes um, we let our sinful nature take over, and, and oftentimes we find ourselves uh, asking for forgiveness for the same thing over and over and over. But that original or that, uh, um, that first decision to ask Jesus into your life is the best decision that you'll ever make. There's also times in your life or those times in my life where I needed to talk to him, not just to ask for forgiveness, right? I mean, yeah, we, we, when we mess up, we're like, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for my sins. But... That's not the only thing he wants to talk to you about, right? He wants to talk to you like you're his friend. He's your father. And I had the opportunity this week um, to spend uh, Thanksgiving with my parents down in Springfield. And they're both 85 years old and, and they have some health issues and stuff. And having conversations with my dad um, and hearing him say some things uh, about regrets things that, oh, I wish I would have done this better as a dad or whatever. And I'm like, Dad, you were awesome. You were always there for me. Yeah, you worked and, and all those things, but you were always there for me. And your heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, is always there for us. He is our wonderful counselor. It's great to turn to your parents or to others, but Jesus 
is named right here in Isaiah, the wonderful counselor. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that, um, about that this morning. You know, we, we sometimes think that, uh, you know, if, if we, we go to, to Jesus for answers um, and then we're like, well, maybe he doesn't quite get it. Right? Maybe he doesn't quite get it. Uh, or maybe if you go to somebody else and you want to ask them something, uh, you want help about something, and you go to, to them and, and you start talking to them and you realize they have no idea what you're talking about, right? I remember as a youth pastor um, and being single and um, people would come to me, like, you know, parents of the teens who were struggling in their marriage, and they'd ask me questions. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not married. I can't tell you what to do or how to do it or whatever, you know. And so uh, when we have issues in our life, a lot of times we look for people who can understand, right? Um, and, and so we get, we get worried or we get nervous. We think, well, Jesus isn't going to fully understand what I'm trying to say to him, uh, you know, because he's, you know, we look at him as this, you know, so much greater than us and, and all that. And we think there's no way that he can fully understand um, what we're going through. However, that's just not simply the case, right? Jesus was a man, just like the men in this room. Jesus was a man. He grew up from a child to become a teenager. Lord, help his parents, right? We don't know what Jesus did during his teenage life. I mean, other than we saw that he was in the temple and he stayed there and his parents, like, left him for several days and came back. Oh, what were you doing? You know, why did you, where did you think I was going to be? I mean, right, if you've ever lost a kid, anybody ever lost a kid like in the mall? Yeah, I got lost in the mall all the time. I'm not sure if my parents were trying to ditch me, but I got lost in the mall a lot. But I think it was because I knew that if I found a security guard, they would get me ice cream. And then they would page, hey, we are looking for the parents of John Peterson. Uh, parents of John Peterson, please come to uh, Swenson's ice cream. Swenson's? Anybody? Anyways, uh, they would say, come, come to the ice cream place. Your son is here uh, enjoying chocolate ice cream. Um, anyways, I totally lost my train of thought because that was not God's words. Those were mine. Uh, anyways, it's simply not the case. Jesus was a man. Okay, he grew up from a child to become a teenager. That's what we were trying to get to. Um, and and we, like I said, we don't know exactly what his, his teenage life was like. I wish that we had more information on that because it would be great to have a teen Bible that we could give our teenagers, right? Because uh, they need it bad. I mean, I know my daughter, she needed it bad. She needed a teenage Bible. I mean, I know they write one, but it's not the same. Um, we, we need to know what he did, but we know he was without sin. That's the cool part. Um, but I'm sure that he had temptations. And we know he had temptations, right? Um, he just didn't give in to those temptations. And then as, adult, as an adult, he was a carpenter. Um, and he didn't begin his ministry until he was 30 years old. Many of us go to see counselors or therapists or we talk to somebody, uh, maybe a friend or whatever, um, to help deal with past issues. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, maybe it's past issues, current issues, addictions, whatever. And, and oftentimes, if that person has walked in our shoes, we feel a lot more comfortable, don't we? I'm not going to say any names, but I know that there's a gentleman in our church who sponsors uh, an AA group. And if I ever had issues with alcoholism, he'd be a person that I would go talk to as opposed to somebody that never struggled with that before. 
because I would understand that he knows what I'm walking through. He knows where I'm at currently in my life, right? Or if you're uh, dealing with, with uh, divorce or broken relationships or abuse or whatever it may be, um, turning to somebody who has either walked in your shoes or understands that situation, it's much easier to go to them because we feel more comfortable and we open up and we open up with them because they've been there too. And if we look at Jesus's life, he was a man, he was fully human, he was tempted, he was a hard-working tradesman. He had parents, right? Some of us have issues with our parents. He had parents, he had earthly parents, right? Um, he lived the daily grind just like you and I. He was from a small town, he gets us. Jesus gets us. He understands all the things that we have gone through. He understands all the things that, that, um, that we struggle with or that we deal with on a daily basis. And this next verse really speaks to me a lot. Uh, and when I, realize, I realize, when I read this, I realize that he truly does get me, right? He understands everything that I go through. This verse sums up why he is so qualified to be our wonderful counselor. Let's read this together. It's Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's powerful, right? We have a great high priest who's entered heaven. Jesus, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Because this high priest understands our weaknesses. Chuck, he knows what you struggle with. Jeremy, he understands the temptations that you face. Everybody in this room, Jesus gets you. Even though he is up in a high place and he's sitting next to the right hand of the Father, he gets you. He's the best counselor you'll ever have because not only does he get you, he already knows, right? He already knows your struggles. He knows what the enemy tempts you with day after day after day. And he's interceding for you. He's praying for you daily. God, please help Jenny. Help her to get past that feeling of whatever. He knows you. He gets you. Because it says that he understands our weaknesses because he faced all of the same testings we do. That blows my mind because I know what my, I know some of the things that I've thought about in life. And if Jesus had those same temptations, man, he really was fully human, wasn't he? Now, obviously, things are different in our society today than it was back then. But there's still temptations of, of fornication, adultery, idolatry, um, thinking you're not, you know, your, your self-worth. All, all these things that we struggle with day after day after day. I'm not good enough or I want what they have. Or 
Yeah, whatever. I mean, there's so many different things that, that we struggle with day after day after day. And Jesus had those same temptations. He had those same, test, same testings. But he didn't give in. He knew his father. And he would always turn to his father when those testings would come, right? When those things that, that uh, were, were um, difficult in life, where did we find Jesus going? To pray, right? Every time the crowds got to be too much or he was overwhelmed, he's like, I'm going to go. Peace out. I'll be back. And he would go and he would hang out with his father. So my second question today is this. Who or what do you turn to when you need help the most? Who or what do you turn to when you need help the most? I'm going to speak for myself. I know in my life, like when I was younger, um, now, I mean, I, I do my best to turn to God, uh, but there's times where I don't. There's times where I, you know, oh, I, I got this. It's not that big of a deal. I can figure it out, right? And I just either internalize it or I try to figure some other way uh, to get past whatever it is that I'm feeling. But as I was a younger man, even though I was a believer and have been a believer my whole life, a lot of times we turn to things like alcohol or drugs or bad relationships. Some people, maybe it's astrology or reclusiveness. You know, you just kind of like shut yourself off to the world and think, I got this. I just need to be alone for a while. And we just shut everybody else out. And there's so many people out there that want to help, right? But we're just like, I don't want to deal with that. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe it's because we just don't think we're good enough and we really don't have the, you know, we shouldn't have the opportunity to, to just throw it all up to somebody else. So we just hold it all in. And that makes it worse because then it just festers inside you, right? And, and whatever it is that you're dealing with just gets worse and worse and worse because we don't let it out. Or, um, you know, these are things that, are, that, you know, not to turn to, right? Those are things that you don't, we shouldn't do. Um, these are the things that are not going to bring hope. You see, if we go to a counselor, our hope is that they will help us get past those issues, right? If we go to our wonderful counselor, Jesus, our hope is that he will give us tools and answers and will take that burden away for us. But if we turn to things like alcohol, drugs, bad relationships, astrology, whatever, reclusiveness, or just hold it in, there's no hope there because nothing's going to change. Sure, it may feel better for a while, right? You might turn to, to drugs or alcohol to numb the pain, but nothing's changed. You've just made things worse or bad relationships or, or what, any of those things. Um, some turn to therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, oaks of righteousness, AA, NA, or some other form of therapy where we can talk about the issues that we're challenged with, right? And these things can bring hope. These things can bring hope, and they can be very effective when dealing with deep issues in our life, especially if they're based on faith in God. The wonderful counselor Jesus, obviously he's the best choice of who to turn to when life gets difficult. But utilizing Christian counseling or different organizations that are faith-based um, can help a lot as well because they are doing the same thing. They're praying with you and helping you um, with tools that are biblically based. But it's not just when things get difficult, we should always be turning to Jesus, right? 
turn into him in our everyday lives. Um, when we go back and look, look at that verse 15, it just says, um, you know, the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do and he didn't sin. He understands he's been there and yet in those testings he didn't sin. He didn't turn to the world, he, he turned to the Father. And this in turn leads to hope. And in verse 16, again, it just says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see, when we turn to our wonderful counselor, Jesus, uh, we can boldly enter into the grace of God. He's going to show us compassion. He may have to do a little, you know, not punishment, so to speak, but a little uh, attitude adjusting <laughs> if he needs to. Um, he may discipline us a little bit, but we can boldly enter into the grace of God because he's going to show us compassion, he's going to show us love, and he's going to help us um, when we need him the most. The best counselors, the best counselors like in the world um, are those that are full of wisdom and give us insight into our problems, Right? If they've been there, if they have insight, if they have wisdom, they can um, help us. So who is better to counsel us than the one who knows all things? Colossians 2, 3 says this. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Most counselors or therapists... Um, they have at least a master's degree, if not a doctorate degree, whatever. It's, they have to go to school for a while to get all the things, right? And they know a lot. But Jesus, the wonderful counselor, says that in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He knows it all. He knows everything. He knows everything about you, everything about me. He knows what I did yesterday. He knows what I'm going to do tomorrow. Um, he knit me together right? He knows me. He gets me. He knows you. He gets you. He understands all the things um, that we struggle with. He has all the answers. He's full of knowledge and wisdom. His life is a treasure that we should seek. Jesus truly is the wonderful counselor. And as we wrap up this morning, um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come going to uh, close in worship this morning, but as we wrap up this morning, I want us to think on this season, and hopefully, um, maybe it's in a way you never have before. It's not just a time to await the arrival of baby Jesus, but to anxiously await the arrival of our Lord, our Savior, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God our everlasting, everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. Those are the four things that are talked about in Isaiah, that, that key verse that we used this morning. Think about how Jesus is um, to you in those different ways. How is he your wonderful counselor? Do you turn to him when things get tough? Do you turn to him when you have big decisions to make? I've had a lot of decisions to make in my life about different things like jobs or, or you know, this or that. Like, should we buy this house? Should we not buy this house? Should we do this? Should I do that? Who better to turn to 
than the one who already has all the knowledge and all the wisdom, right? So how do you, how do I anxiously await the arrival of that wonderful counselor in my life? And how do I utilize that? How do I express that in my life? How do I give my stuff to him as a wonderful counselor? And then next week, same thing. How do I express that Jesus is the mighty God, right? The one that created everything in this earth, on this earth, and, and outside of this earth, right? We keep discovering new things through science that, you know, in our universe that are just crazy with all these telescopes that we have now. And Jesus, that, you know, God, the Heavenly Father, put all of that stuff together. And then how do we see him or how do we express our life with him being our everlasting father? Do you have a good experience with your father? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But God the Father, Jesus, our Father, He is perfect, and He has all wisdom and all knowledge. And He has the answers for each and every one of us. And then finally, how do we see Him as the Prince of Peace? There's a lot of turmoil in this world right now. You just turn on the news for five minutes and you'll see, right? We all know that there is chaos in our world but Jesus is the prince of peace I don't know about you but sometimes I just need to like get away from all of it and just sit and relax and just calm down and be in a peaceful moment for five minutes who better to spend that time with than the prince of peace he is the one who can bring us true hope in our lives into our world. Let's pray. God, again, we come before you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into this place and to sit in these comfortable chairs and to uh, hang out with people that we know. Or maybe we're here for the first time. We don't know anybody in this place at all. But God, I thank you that we can come into this place and just worship you freely. I thank you that we can uh, sit and listen to your word freely. God, I just pray that um, whatever was spoken today, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take um, different parts of that. And whatever maybe spoke to us, God, we would take that in our heart and we would um, use it in our daily life. Jesus, I thank you for being our wonderful counselor. I thank you for the times that you've been there for me when I need you the most. I thank you for helping me make that decision years and years and years ago to ask you into my life. And I know there's been so many times where I have failed you and have turned my back on you. But every time that I come back, you're already there waiting for me. God, if there's anybody in this room today, Lord, that needs to know you, God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts right now and that um, it doesn't have to be a big fanfare thing. Kind of like when you came to this world, it wasn't a, it wasn't some big lavish event you were born in a manger you were born in a, in a stable with animals but yet you were the greatest thing ever to this world so God I pray that even today if there's anybody here that needs to know you I pray that just even right now God they would just say Lord forgive me I'm a sinner I need you please come and be the Lord of my life it's that easy 
and that's where the story just starts. And then we know after that, Jesus, we need you to be our counselor. We need you to help us walk through uh, this life. So Lord, I pray that you would help us. Even though we don't deserve it, you're a loving and compassionate counselor. So Jesus, help us today to put our burdens away, to take them and shrug them off of our own shoulders and to lay them at your feet. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all that you do in our lives. And we anxiously uh, await your arrival as our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father and our prince of peace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you guys would with, uh, this morning as we uh, get ready to go, stand with me and we're gonna worship um, with our worship team one last time. nothing good in me you are love you are love on display for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are hope you are hope and you've covered all my sin you are peace you are peace when my fear is crippling you are truth you are truth even in my wandering you are joy you are joy you're the reason that i sing you are life you are life in you death has lost its sting
for the way that you lead us, guide us, the patience you have with us. And we're grateful that you are not only with the Father, but that you intercede on our behalf. step back out into the world and the mad rush of the season. That you would be the hope and the peace within us. And that every situation that we step into hope and your peace and your love will be known through the way that we love others. Thank you, Jesus. All these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Be sure to hug somebody or give a high five on your way out and we will see you next week. God bless you guys.